Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Dr. Tom LeHue. We're going to be looking at Enneagram Type 7 today. And we're going to be looking at the mental health or some challenges that could come up for Type 7s. And uh, this is coming from a good friend of mine, Tyler Zock, who is the uh, founder of the uh, Gospel for Enneagram. And uh, it comes from an Instagram post that he posted recently. I reached out to him and asked him if it'd be all right if I did a YouTube series on it. And he said, go for it. So uh, I will put a link in the description below to his Instagram page. Uh, make sure you like him. He's a great guy. Okay. And just a reminder that in the description below is a link to my website, TomLahue.com, where you can book Enneagram coaching, relationship coaching appointments. And you can do those as single appointments. And I also have several different plans there for three weeks, six weeks, and more. Uh, so I'd love uh, to connect with you and find out more about uh, what's going on in your life. And if I can help you in any way, I'd love for you to reach out to me. Also, there's always a free um, resource there on that page for you. Just join my Enneagram community. You just have to give me your email address. And then um, I've got a free download for you. And right now it's a free mini course. So I'd love for you to, uh, to check that out. Also, I have lots of different courses available on demand and I do uh, them on live on Zoom as well uh, on Enneagram coaching and other related topics. And I'd love for you to consider signing up for one of those classes. Thanks to my patrons, I really appreciate your support as well. Okay, so let's jump into this information today coming from this Instagram post on mental health. And let's kind of break it down and talk about it. Type sevens, and of course I am a social seven wing six, so I can speak to this one uh, a little bit more personally than I can to the other ones. So let's talk about uh, some of the challenges that could come up for mental health. I'm gonna be looking at the Instagram post while I'm while I'm talking to the camera. So the uh, first one that is mentioned on this is painful emotions. And <clears throat> let me just read what he says and then we'll talk about it. He says, dealing with painful emotions is a constant struggle for me. That's being said in first person, okay? I often try to stay busy and avoid confronting these emotions as they can be uncomfortable and overwhelming. And I think most of us get it. If you've studied the Enneagram at all, you know that sevens are a fear type. And of course, that could mean like the fear of missing out, uh, but also uh, the fear of dealing with tedious, boring, difficult, painful things. And we often see what sevens are running toward, running toward excitement, enthusiasm, something new, uh, collecting things. 
um, running toward anything that might bring happiness or joy or satisfaction, but we don't think about the reverse of that. Like what are sevens running away from? What is it we're running away from? And this could easily be one of the things that you could say sevens tend to want to run away from or move away from. Things that are heavy, difficult, um, you know, challenging, sad. Uh, you will see sevens, for example, trying to make things feel lighter, trying to make people feel better, trying to lighten the situation with humor, uh, or maybe trying to just escape from that difficult uh, place, like think a funeral home or hospital, uh, prison, those kinds of things. Just, you know, where something is dark and um, difficult and look at sevens either trying to bring joy into it or maybe trying to escape away from it. Just recognize that like sevens, they may not look like a fear type. Make them sit still. Make, make them, I, maybe let's not say the word fear. Let's say anxiety. They may not look like an anxiety type until you make a seven sit still and then what will you see? You will see the anxious energy, you know, and we'll talk about that in a minute because one of the other things that's coming up is ADHD. So no surprises here, right? But uh, uh, you will see sevens, you know, getting fidgety or anxious or, uh, or make them sit with difficult things. Um, and you might see them us, you might see us uh, then looking more like a fear type. Dealing with painful emotions, uh, constant struggle for me. Now, I've learned that, you know, something that can be helpful for sevens, something that's helpful for myself and helpful for other sevens, I think, would be to actually set aside some time and intentionally try to move your mind into those painful emotions. What do I mean? Well, for example, maybe go get a photo album. Now I'm at a point in my life, I'm 51 years old. My kids are almost all grown. We've got five kids and grandkids, you know. And so I, I would say it like this for someone my age is get a photo album out of, of, of the past. And you might say, what's a photo album, right? Because it's all stored on, all the images and photos are stored on our computer, whatever, okay. Get pictures of the past, the good times. Because you know, those good memories, those good moments in the past, they always have a sort of bittersweet feeling to them. Like you can look at these pictures from the past when your kids are little or uh, you know, when you used to live in that house long ago, and you can have all these beautiful, sweet memories, but with them comes a certain level of pain and sadness because you can't go back there. You can't return to those times. And so no matter how wonderful the past was, uh, and I hope that yours has been wonderful, um, you know, even when you look back on the past, you can't go back there. And so that whole feeling of growing up or of time passing can often be very challenging for sevens. Sevens want to stay kids forever. You know, think about like ones, we have this line to one, right next to us is an eight. Ones maybe grow up too soon, eights get too big too soon. And sevens are just the opposite of all that. Like let's stay children, let's stay young, let's stay enthusiastic about life for as long as we can. And there's nothing bad about that, but but I would say just like you would go to a gym and you would exercise your muscles to gain strength. You know, why would you do that? Why would you go to a gym and lift a bunch of weights? Well, of course you want to look better, but that notwithstanding, you would go to the gym and lift weights because you want to build endurance and strength because later, let's say next week when you have to move all of those five gallon water jugs, 
you're going to need that strength. You're going to need to be prepared. Um, of course, you probably better start a lot longer than two weeks, you know, before that. But when you lift these weights in a controlled environment, when you go into a gym and you exercise, you build resilience, you build endurance, you build strength. Why? Because later on, you're going to need it. Later on, when you're challenged with some task, you know, you got to carry a baby and a car seat and a, and, a, and a diaper bag. When you've got to move five gallon water jugs, you're going to need that strength. So think of it like that. Like with sevens, what I encourage you to do is sit still, uh, sit still for 30 minutes. And already you can probably start to feel the anxiety just from thinking about it. But Try to sit still, and if you can't sit still, then maybe find a good rocking chair, because at least then you can move back and forth a little bit and sort of soothe your inner child. But it, sit still for 30 minutes, look at a photo album, it, and that may be something, or, or you know, uh, maybe listen to some uh, ambient music or something, and then close your eyes and let yourself uh, start to move toward the sadness. In other words, instead of trying to just notice how your, your mind wants to run away from it, wants to move away from it, wants to escape from it. But this time, try not to escape it. Try to let yourself move toward it. Think about those good memories from the past. Think about those people that you love that are now gone. You know, let yourself feel those feelings. And what, what, what I hope that will happen is if you did this a few times is you would come to the realization that, look, I didn't die. You know, I was okay. My eyes didn't melt out of my head and uh, my head didn't explode. My ears didn't fall off. I survived. I survived this painful feeling. If, for, if nothing else, if, if you don't even think about all of the past and all that, just sitting still for 30 minutes can be difficult for sevens. And it's like you're going into the gym, you're building this resilience. And why is that important? Because in the future, when you have to sit still at graduation, or you have to sit still in church, or you have to sit still at your toddler's preschool program, when you have to sit still at the doctor's office, okay, or whatever it is, you're building up this endurance that, look, I don't have to escape I'm okay sitting still. I'm okay being present to the moment. I'm okay dealing with difficult emotions. I can do tedious, difficult things. And I'm proving it to myself by nothing else but sitting still. Okay, so painful emotions. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't, I don't relish painful emotions. Somebody said of type fours, you know, uh, they they said something like, uh, we're going to go home and watch a sad movie and cry. It's going to be fantastic. That's not a seven. And, you know, sevens and fours share a lot in common. I, usually on Myers-Briggs, a lot of times, I wouldn't say usually, but a lot of times on Myers-Briggs, sevens are ENFPs and fours are often INFPs. So we're very similar in a lot of ways. And we have no connection to each other, probably because we're so similar. We do share number one in common. Think about that. We both need that sort of like resolve of uh, responsibility, doing the right thing, get out of our emotional stuff, get out of our reactionary stuff and focus on the task at hand, be more compliant to life. But I don't relish painful emotions. I don't, uh, but I'm trying to catch myself, um, you know, being compelled to move away from them and then recognizing, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world to have to suffer a little bit. And suffering builds uh, resolve and builds strength and um, depth. 
And when a seven can more like a five, you know, sort of uh, focus inward and and work on that inner life, um, dealing with and accepting and allowing ourselves to feel those difficult, painful emotions, recognizing we're not stuck in a pit. We're we're gonna make it through this. We're gonna come out the other side. We're gonna be okay. As we as we do this, we we develop depth. And that's a good thing for us. I mean, sevens, we tend to be thought of as surface dwellers, you know, living up on the surface and skimming across the surface, wanting to have surface relationships with people. Um, you know, depth is a good thing for us as sevens to work on. So number one, painful emotions. Let's see what he's got. Number two, symptoms of ADHD. What do you say? What was that? ADHD? What was that? ADHD? Okay. And every seven probably at some point or another could look like, let's just say it that way, could look like we have ADHD. Uh, that's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, okay? And let's see what he has quoted here. I experience some or all of the symptoms of ADHD, including impulsivity, restlessness, and difficulty focusing. As a result, I have faced a lifelong struggle to regulate my emotions and keep up in overly structured school and work environments. This has led me toward feeling depression and low self-esteem, inadequacy, and loneliness. Let me see if I can unpack what he's saying here. And it's not that sevens are the only ones that could look like ADHD, right? Uh, I've coached a lot of people and, and there's been many different types who've said, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. But sevens, um, you know, we definitely could look very impulsive. Let's just say it that way. The seven child is going to look like a typically a very impulsive child, you know, rolling around under desk. Miss Johnson, can we go outside? Miss Johnson, can we watch this DVD? Miss Johnson, oh, what time is lunch? Miss Johnson, I need to go to the bathroom. Miss Johnson, I got a funny story. Miss John, you know, we would look like the impulsive child. What's important to remember here though, as a side note, and this is such a helpful idea, is that sevens are not the only impulsive type, right? Every type has its share of compulsions and impulses that are sort of hardwired and ingrained into that personality type. The difference is, is sevens impulsive types are very obvious. You know, when a one gets frustrated with themselves as a child because they didn't get a hundred on a test, everybody sort of says, oh, look, they're very responsible, very responsible kid. You know, or, or impulsive too, to sit there and be polite, you know, and become the teacher's pet probably twos and sixes, teacher's pets, right? And so to the impulse to sit there and be polite and to make sure that you're watching everybody else and that you're not doing anything out of order or out of line, that's an impulse too. It's just seven's impulses, you know, look um, a little more distracting to everybody else and seven's part of the impulse of being a seven is to be distracted. And so, um, you know, when a seven uh, goes away for the summer and comes back and learns to what? Push against those impulses that aren't working for you. And this is true for every type. Our impulses don't always work for us. But when a seven kid goes away for the summer, grows up a little bit, comes back and pushes back on those impulses and makes themselves uh, sit still, makes themselves raise their hand and ask questions. And guys, I'm talking from experience, okay? What will the people say about them? Oh, wow, Tommy has really matured. Wow, Tommy's really growing up. Now, what, what do we mean? Well, you're pushing back on your impulses and compulsions. 
Now, that's not just true of sevens, that's true of all of us. All of us need to learn when to push back on our impulses, when they're not working for us, when they're not moving us toward the goals we actually want. And that's really what maturity is. And what balance is, when you think about the Enneagram, one of the ways to think about balance is knowing when to push back on your impulses, knowing when they're not always working for you. So, um, impulsivity, restlessness, yes. Uh, restlessness, it means not only being easily distracted, but wanting to be distracted, like distracting myself. The thought pops into my mind uh, and then I think I have to act on it. I feel like I have to do something and I don't. You know, maturity is about, hey, the thought went in my mind, but I can let that thought go and I can return back to the present moment. Like a leaf passing on a stream, I don't have to pay attention to every leaf. The thought comes into my mind, hey, I need to uh, check out that, you know, that, um, that new uh, sale on, on whatever it is I'm collecting at the moment. You know, I need to check out that new sale. No, I don't. I can let that thought pass and I can return back to my work. And this is difficult, this takes work. This is about controlling your mind and uh, controlling your mind is not easy. You wanna listen to the thoughts and then respond. That's the normal way people act is they have a thought and then they, they respond on it. But um, as we discipline ourselves and we learn to control our thinking, we recognize that I don't have to act on every thought. I don't have to act on every uh, spontaneous idea that pops into my mind. Um, I can prioritize things, I can plan things, I can write them down and come back to them later. I don't have to stop what I'm doing right now because, oh, I just thought of this thing, oh, I need to take care of that before I don't remember it later. Okay, that's very ADHD type behavior. As a result, I faced a lifelong struggle to regulate my emotions and then look, keep um, up in an overly structured environment like school or work or imagine like a factory job or something like that just where you're supposed to like monotonous you know routines um, you know do this task A and then move to task B and everybody line up and everybody file up it's no wonder that sevens end up in trouble I can tell you as a kid that I was in trouble all the time for stuff I didn't really even understand I was doing I was just being myself. You know, people say, oh, just be yourself. I'm like, okay, I'm being myself and I keep ending up in the principal's office. Uh, luckily, I was usually able to charm and disarm my way out of that, another gift of sevens and reframe everything. Uh, hey, Mr. Menzer, we're friends, right? I mean, we went to a picnic together at church. You're not gonna give me de uh, detention. Come on. Uh, tell Shirley hi for me. You know, and so sevens often could end up in trouble uh, for what? Distracting others? Realize when we're distracting others, it's because we're distracted ourselves. Um, I always say never fire a seven because they're not focused. You, They would never get a job. It's so hard for sevens to focus our attention. It's hard for us. It's, it's difficult. Now the flip side of that is, is because we sometimes can be unfocused, we're great at brainstorming. We're great at having ideas. We're great at synthesizing ideas. Taking something from this world and something from that world and putting them together and saying, hey, you know what would be great? Let's create electronic cigarettes. You know, let's let's take things that don't fit together and let's see what happens when we put them together. And sevens are gr often great at brainstorming, coming up with new ideas, can be very creative, but it's very hard for us sometimes to get our feet on the ground, to pay attention, to remain focused, 
And so you, you got to be a little bit compassionate with us. I mean, we're working on it. We need to be working on it. But you got to be compassionate with us because, I mean, essentially, we have the software system of Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Jack Black, Jimmy Fallon, David Lee Roth, Sammy Hagar. This is our, this is the software we were born with. We didn't choose it. And people will look at sevens a lot of times. I've had a lot of you know clients that I work with uh, in coaching that say, oh, I wish I was a seven. Sevens are so upbeat. Sevens are so positive. Sevens are so much fun to be around. Well, yeah, generally that's true, but um, we're gonna look at more of this because I've, I've read it, you know, we're gonna look at more of this. That That's not always the, the way it feels on the inside as a seven. It doesn't always feel upbeat and positive. And when you get us in a very structured environment where we're supposed to, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, thank you, ma'am, thank you, sir, you know, that can feel very constrictive, very restraining to a seven. And realize that's going to create anxiety because sevens don't want to be limited in our options. We don't want to have nine to five every day. I sit in this cubicle and I do these tasks every day, the exact same thing. I imagine most sevens would probably say, I just can't do that. I just can't do, especially if they're a seven wing eight. They're just like, I just can't do that. A lot of sevens are going to end up entrepreneurs because they don't want to or don't feel like they can limit themselves to be stuck in that kind of routine structure and some people love that i mean some people some types i think love that routine and structure and all of that you know being imposed upon them they're like oh that sounds great i'll just have my railroad tracks in front of me now i know what to now i know what to do but most sevens look at what it says let me read that again okay it says um I, it's hard for me to keep up in an overly structured school or work environment. And this is going to lead to feelings of depression, self, low self-esteem, inadequacy, and loneliness. Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I, you know, why can't I do this? Uh, I'm just not, I'm not a good manager. They might think to themselves, I'm not a good manager. I'm not good at leadership or I'm not good at, at uh, this task because I just can't fit in this rigid rigid, closed, stuck, you know, environment. Okay, next, uh, substance abuse. Ooh, no laughing matter, right? Substance abuse. And I remember uh, reading a long time ago that sevens are the most likely type to abuse substances, to be addicted to drugs or addicted to alcohol or other substances. And I can totally understand why. I've never been, thank you, Lord, I've never been addicted to substances. But uh, there's something about the seven that is kind of an addictive personality. First of all, you don't want to be stuck in pain. And, you know, alcohol, drugs, uh, they kind of move you away from pain or boredom. And really, I mean, quite honestly, that whole 80s sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that's a very seven kind of mindset. I mean, one of the titles for sevens, the enthusiast, right? Uh, but the other title is the epicure. Okay, you know, think Epicureans. What are Epicureans? Well, most people think of Epicureans as kind of the opposite of Stoics. Think of Stoics, think of fives and maybe ones, you know, of doing the right thing and being unaffected by the world and limiting, you know, minimalization, those kinds of things. Well, Epicureans are the exact opposite. Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. That's one of the titles for a seven, Epicure. 
Like, eat, drink, and be merry. You know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's going to move you away from the pain. It's going to move you away from the boredom. It feels good. It's exciting. And um, it helps people deal with the problems or the suffering that exists in this world. It doesn't solve anything. It's not a solution. It's not a good strategy. But um, it could move you away from... And remember, you're not just moving towards stuff. We're moving away from things. Every type is moving away from something. So I'm susceptible to substance abuse. There's something about sevens too that is naturally kind of addictive. Like I have seen this in myself over the years when I've had various hobbies, quote unquote hobbies. And I've come to realize that a lot of these hobbies were just uh, accumulating of things. You know, if I have a brown rock and a red rock and a yellow rock and a blue rock, well, I don't have a green rock. Oh, I got to have the green rock. And then my whole of my attention is focused on the one I don't have, the one I don't yet possess. And there is this anxiety within a seven to go and get the one thing I don't have. You know, I love watching YouTube reviews on stuff I'm interested in. I've got a few hobbies or things I collect, but I really limit myself social seven counter seven. I really limit how much money I spend on these things. I limit how much attention I give these things. But you know, I've noticed that a lot of YouTube reviewers are sevens and they will have a wall of stuff behind them. For example, one of the things I like is men's fragrances. I know it's kind of a dumb hobby, but whatever. We all are allowed our guilty pleasures and stupid stuff, and it doesn't hurt anybody. But I really limit myself on how many of these sprays I spray myself with. Obviously, people don't like it when you smell like a, a high school locker room. But, you know, I'll, I'll see guys that collect fragrances, and they do reviews on fragrances, or even guitars. I watch a few guys that, that collect and review guitars, and guess what? All these people are sevens. Almost all of them are sevens. And they've got a wall of colognes and perfumes behind them with lights flashing, right? And not only that, but then they'll have a hat, you know, with the Dodgers on it. And then the next day they'll have a different hat with Dodgers. And the next day they'll have a different hat with Dodgers. And, and it's like, I collect hats. I got to have every hat that they have. I got to have every jersey that they have. I've got to have every pair of sunglasses that this company sells. I got to have every fragrance that this company offers. That's addictive personalities right? And, you know, all of that stuff is expensive. All of that stuff is, is going to cost you in some way. And, you know, I've, I've come to appreciate like this idea of wouldn't it be a better experience to have one that you love than a hundred that you play with? You know, a hundred fragrances that you kind of, you know, sample and rotate or a hundred electric guitars that you have tried out and, and, but, what if you could what if you could get down to one that you love? And I realize that that person who has one that they love, they have a great experience too. And this is such a challenge for sevens to start to try to think differently. It almost creates like anxiety, like letting stuff go. And I've seen it with myself and I've seen it with other sevens where they'll collect, they'll collect, they'll collect, they'll collect, and then they have this mountain of stuff they've collected model cars or comic books or records or novels. They collect all these things that just pique their interest. It, think of it like this. It all keeps me from being bored. I hate boredom so much. I would rather just go out and collect all this stuff. I'd like to experience it. 
I want to sample it. And then you have this mountain of stuff you've collected, substances that you've collected. And if you ask yourself, do I really care about this? Like, do I really love this mountain of crap I've collected? No, not really. And then we'll just give it all away or we'll put it up on marketplace and sell it all. And we'll just turn our back on it. And you know, this is going to look crazy to a lot of people like, you know, what's going on inside that head of yours. And sometimes it's hard for us to put into words what's going on in our heads because it's, it's not really sensible. It's just impulses and compulsions. And the more we can learn to push back on these, um, you know, when they're not working for us and that's the key, that's maturity right there. Is this working for you? And if it's not really moving you toward the goals in life, that uh, you would set for yourself, your stated goals, then it's not really working for you. And it'd be good if we recognize that and then, you know, started to limit ourselves. But think, limit ourselves feels, feels gross to a seven. Okay, next, deep depression. And you're probably surprised here. You're like, wait, sevens, depression? No, come on, that's fours. That's not sevens. Sevens aren't depressed. Well, I mean, probably the first person that comes to mind, and I mean with all respect, is Robin Williams. I mean, Robin Williams, I mean, who is more excitable and, you know, outgoing and demonstrative and magnanimous than Robin Williams? I mean, just think about all of the interviews you've seen him in, all of the characters he's done. I mean, nobody is more ADHD. Nobody is more bigger than life than Robin Williams. And yet you have to admit that there's this other side to him that you could see in some of the characters he played. And then even in his own life, you know, that is kind of that sad clown character, you know, that very depressive side as well. And this is one of the reasons that I, he didn't put this word in here, but I'll put it in here is sevens could often look bipolar you know, manic and, you know, excitable and enthusiastic. And it's almost like I have to be enthusiastic about something or I would be depressed. What else would I do? You know, I would sit here under the sea, Ariel, a seven. I'd sit here under the sea, bored out of my mind, you know, uh, pensively um, thinking about what I don't have and where I'm not. Let's look at the statement he has for deep depression. Although I'm typically upbeat and energetic, typically what most people are going to see, upbeat and energetic. And that's why people say, oh, I wish I was a seven. They're such exciting, fun people. Okay, a lot of the time, and that's often how we present. I may experience periods of deep depression when I'm unable to distract myself from the underlying emotional pain when I'm unable to distract myself from, you know, that stuff that exists under the surface I don't want to deal with. So sevens, you know, up and down, manic and then depressive. And if you live with a seven, it's probably exhaustive sometimes, exhausting sometimes. Um, and as a seven, I feel that in myself and I, I feel guilty for it. Like I feel like oh, I don't want to bring the room down. I'm a social seven, so I don't want to bring the room down. I don't want my gloominess, my sad tale, you know, a happy tail like a dog. And then there's sometimes when the dog is just sad. Um, and so I don't want to bring the room down, but sometimes I just feel like, you know, and it kind of comes back often to this feeling of like, is this what we're doing today? We're doing this. We're just sitting here in the house 
I mean, it's a beautiful day outside. Beautiful days can be triggering for Seven because it's beautiful outside. Why are we not out there? Why are we not riding four-wheelers right now? Why are we not riding jet skis? Why are we not on a plane going to Europe? Why are we sitting here in this house watching the Hallmark Channel? You know, is this what we're doing? Why do we have to go to doctor's appointments today? And this kind of, uh, you know, frustration with what is and this glorification of what could be. Again, one of the titles for a seven, you know, is visionary. And myself, I'm a seven. If I think about tri-types, I'm a seven, one, four. All three of the uh, uh, frustration types. They're all the visionary types of this could be better. This could be better. And so I recognize this within myself. And when I get down and when I get discouraged, I have to, I have to pat myself on the head and I have to say, Tom, you're such a seven. Oh my goodness. You have a wonderful family. You have, you have, uh, you have Amazon prime video, you have Netflix, you have, um, Amazon music, you know, there's so many things that you could do. If you can't go and do something right now, you could watch a show. You could listen to music. You could call somebody and talk to them. And it's sometimes when you get down and you get low, it's hard to get yourself back up out of this slump. You know, but one of the best ways is to start to realize, like start to laugh at yourself and say, oh my goodness, I'm such a seven. Everything is perfect. Everything is fine. But I'm feeling like something's wrong because we're not doing something exciting or I'm not looking forward to something exciting. Sometimes sevens, it might feel like I need something to do, someone to love and something to look forward to. And if I'm missing one of those, I start to feel very anxious, worried, frustrated and depressed. So I would just say, if you live with somebody like this, please have compassion on them. It doesn't feel like a real problem to you. You're like, are you serious? This is your problem, is that there's not something exciting to do today. It doesn't feel like a real problem to you, but it does, perhaps, to your seven that you love. You don't know what it's like to be in the head of a seven. And this feels like a legitimate problem, so much that, look at the word, depression. I mean, you're putting that label on this depression, and that's what it is. It's just this sulky, pouty, depressed feeling, the blues, you know, that things are not better than they, 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 they are, that they could be better, but they're not. It's Saturday night and we're sitting at home. Ugh, okay. There, really, there's no problem there, but it feels like a problem to seven. So deep depression. So what do we have so far? Let's go back and, and rehearse this. Symptom, okay. What was the first one? Uh, painful emotions. Kind of like wanting to avoid those. Next was symptoms of ADHD. Uh, next was substance abuse. And uh, also I think about like Chris Farley. Chris Farley is definitely a seven. Um, and think substance abuse, you know, it got the best of them. And it's very sad. It's very sad. Uh, deep depression. Um, you know, okay. Feeling unsatisfied, feeling unsatisfied. Yeah. This is at the heart of sevenness. I mean, really sevens kind of got a message early as kids, you know, you're not going to be taken care of, go outside and entertain yourself. And so for the rest of our lives, we're going outside and entertaining ourselves, looking for nurturing, looking for satisfaction, looking for uh, happiness. And let's see what the quote is here. Despite my pursuit of constant stimulation, just think how exhausting that is 
for you and for everyone else. One of the things that Christopher Hurwitz says in his book, The Sacred Enneagram, is sevens need to uh, rest in silence. Rest in silence. Um, despite my pursuit of constant stimulation, we got to be doing something. And while I'm doing something, we need to be planning the next something so that I can't imagine, you know, just sitting at home and being stuck. Ugh. So I may feel unsatisfied or unfulfilled, which can lead to irritability when I don't get what I want and an inability to stop moving from one thing or one place to the next. And I would also say that it could lead to relationship problems. Because imagine, for example, if you were married to a two or any other type, but imagine being married, you know, and what if your spouse got that message that you're somehow unsatisfied, you're unfulfilled? They might think to themselves, well, wait, are you implying there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with our relationship because you're not satisfied, you're not fulfilled? And as a seven, no, it's not really about that. It's just something hardwired within the seven, you know, personality that is um, always looking for more. Remember, our sin is gluttony. And that's really what gluttony is. It's like not being satisfied, uh, believing that there is more out there and that we should experience the more. We should experience with more passion. We should experience with more excitement. And I would say that, you know, as a seven, you know, when we can relax this pursuit, now hear me say this because this is really important. When, when we can relax this, this frenetic pursuit of excitement, happiness, satisfaction, something to be enthusiastic about, something to be inspired by, when we can relax that a little bit, we are then able to bring that and share that with the world. In other words, we become sources of excitement and enthusiasm. We bring joy and happiness and, and uh, all of these wonderful things into the world, but not when we're chasing it. I mean, when we're chasing it, we'll abandon our family, go all the way across the country to Las Vegas and spend three nights desperately spending every dime we have to try to find excitement and happiness and squeeze it out of any you know way we can. Very unhealthy. But a healthy seven could take their kids to a museum, a children's museum, and laugh and be spontaneous and entertain and be excited and just make the day filled with joy. I mean, think about that, guys. As a seven, you have this wonderful gift. What a blessing it is. You have this wonderful gift to bring joy and excitement into anything. If you're with a seven who's doing well, you could wash dishes with them and you will laugh until your side hurts because they will bring the joy and bring the excitement and bring the happiness and the storytelling and all of these wonderful things the smiles, the enthusiasm, and it will bring such peace and make people feel so safe and happy. But an unhealthy seven, they will abandon you to escape whatever problems are in life, to chase after whatever kind of bits of happiness they can scrape out of the gutter, and they will leave a trail of broken promises behind them. And it's very sad. It's very sad this feeling of being unsatisfied. It's a real thing. 
Um, and again, when you're overwhelmed with this, maybe try tapping your head and saying, oh my goodness, I'm such a seven. And then start to be grateful. Look at all the stuff you have. You know, look at all the blessings that God has given you. Look at the relationships you have. Look at all the resources that are yours. And rather than uh, focusing your attention on what isn't right, what you don't have, how different would your life be if you could focus your attention on the blessings that you've been given? So feeling unsatisfied. Next, idealism and anxiety. Idealism. What is idealism? This could be better. And sevens, ones, and fours are all in a group together that kind of have that, we share that, you know. It's nuanced, but it's the same problem. Um, I sometimes struggle with a torturous mix of extreme idealism and anxiety about the future. This unhealthy state can be challenging to manage and navigate. So you might think of it like this. Um, I really want to have a wonderful, fun, exciting day, but I'm not sure that the people I'm with or the activity that we're going to do is going to live up to that ideal standard I have in my mind. So I'm already starting to feel worried or panicked or anxious about this event. Or maybe I just back up completely and say, what's the point? What's the point of even going? What's the point? And so this very positive person can become quite negative and pessimistic because it's not going to live up to my expectations. I already know it's not going to live up to my idealized dreams of what it could be. So what's the point of even doing any of it? And so you get this seven who kind of looks like an old curmudgeon who doesn't want to do anything, who doesn't want to go anywhere uh, because they've already made up their mind that it's not going to live up to the exciting expectations that exist in my mind. So this idealism can be a wonderful thing to make life better, or it can be a very, uh, you know, um, poisonous thing that can create um, a lot of uh, sadness and gloom and uh, pessimism. Next, my brain feels overstimulated. My brain feels overstimulated. Okay, I always think about this. Let me read what he says, and then I'll talk about it. My brain often feels overstimulated, causing me to react impulsively and yell. I don't know about the yell part. It's hard not to feel like I'm falling short as a spouse or a parent. So I'm not sure I understand all of that, but let me say it like this. Um, you know that feeling Christmas morning when you've got maybe four or five new things and you want to get to all of them? And so you're trying to open up your new camera and you're trying to see how it works while at the same time you got new headphones and you're really interested in, you know, turning those on and connecting those to your to your phone so that you can listen to your music through Bose headphones. And maybe you've got, you know, a new game system that your son is hooking up and you got a couple of new Call of Duty games or something. And so you're you're like oh my goodness, where do I start? I got this thing I need to open and I need to set that up and then I've got this thing I need to open and set that up and then I've got this. That feeling is what I, is that overstimulation feeling. And sometimes my brain feels overstimulated. Like uh, I wanna learn about this, I wanna talk about that, I wanna acquire one of these and it's like, ugh, too much stuff going on at once. Um, my brain often feels overstimulated, causing me to react impulsively and yell. Um, 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure I'm following exactly what he says there. Maybe some of you guys, let me just read that again and maybe some of you guys will say, oh yeah, I know immediately what he's saying. My brain often feels overstimulated, causing me to react impulsively and yell. It's hard not to feel like I'm falling short as a spouse or a parent. So I assume what he's saying here is, in our interactions with our kids, interactions with others, with our family, <clears throat> we get overstimulated and then become harsh. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And certainly we have a line to one, you know, that under distress or under stress, we look more like a one and the sin of the one is anger. So maybe that's what he's referring to. Okay, next, letting people down. Okay, now this is interesting because it's not just letting people down like I forgot to get that work done, I promised. Uh, but we're, you're not going to put me in suspension, right, Mr. Menzer? Because after all, we did church picnic together. Feeling the pressure to always be the fun one. I have anxiety about letting people down when I have to say no to commitments that I normally say yes to. And I, I don't know, I'd probably leave that last part out about saying no to commitments. Because sevens don't like commitments in general because that means we are committed to one option. But... There's a certain anxiety that comes from that. But what I would say is, yes, I do think I understand what he means or understand what's being said here about being the fun one or being the one that, you know, keeps things moving, keeps things light, keeps things going. And so when you're at a dinner party and you got all these withdrawn types or all these compliant types who are just kind of standing there, you know, looking at each other, I do feel a little bit of pressure to, hey, what's going on? How's it going? Did you guys hear this new song? Did you guys see this new thing? Did you guys? I do feel that pressure like this and realize that there's no pressure there. I feel it. It doesn't really exist, but it's not, it doesn't, it's, they're not bringing me this pressure. It's that I don't like the quiet. I don't like the silence. I feel awkward. There, we're a fear type. I feel awkward and anxious when everybody's just sitting there, you know, looking at each other. And I feel like, yikes, come on, guys. Let's get a topic out here. Let's get an, let's, you know, let's get the karaoke machine going. Let's get the karaoke machine going. Let's start singing. I can't sing and neither can you, but it sure is a lot of fun, you know, belting out don't stop believing by journey. Let's get this anxiety out of here and let's lighten up this room. Let's make everybody feel better. Uh, so letting people down, um, I think that could be a way that sevens don't want to let people down. I got to be the upbeat, fun, positive one. And you really don't always have to be. And the people that love you will let you be sometimes more melancholy. 
But also letting people down, I think sometimes as sevens, we might overpromise, um, overcommit to things. And we need to take those promises seriously and realize, you know, if we're not going to be able to follow through on something, then we need to not give the impression that we're going to. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. We should totally do that sometime. Okay, we need to be careful, okay? And the last one is avoiding tasks. Avoiding tasks. I try to reduce stress and anxiety by intensely avoiding tasks and responsibilities that I don't like, sometimes for months on end. But this further exacerbates my problems. Well, of course it does. You know, and here's the idea that like, I don't wanna do that thing. I don't wanna print that thing out and fold it up and put it in the mail and take it to the mailbox. I don't wanna do that. So I'll do that tomorrow. And sevens and nines, I think, in a lot of ways could agree on this. You know, tomorrow is probably the right time to do that. Right now, I need to check out those Pokemon cards. Right now, I need to check out that, you know, the comic book website. Right now, I need, I don't really like Pokemon cards. I don't, I don't want you to think I do, because I don't, because, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, avoiding tasks. So, forcing myself to sit there and get my work done. Stay in the chair until the job is finished. This is so hard to do, realize. I think sixes would have an easier time with this. I think ones would have a much easier time with this. And as a seven, I have a connection to both of those and fives would probably be better at this. So I've got to make myself, I've got to laugh at myself and say, Tom, you're so distracted, you know, get it done. You'll feel so much better when you get these tasks done. And not just do what popped into your mind, ADHD, but do the tasks that need to be done. Get those done first, prioritize, clarify those, and then get them done, be responsible. You'll feel so much better when you do. And notice, when you don't, it further exacerbates the problem, which it does. So let's review these again. Uh, let me go back to the beginning and just you know take a second and make sure that we give a minute to all of them again. Okay, so, uh, painful emotions, symptoms of ADHD, substance abuse, deep depression, feeling unsatisfied, idealism and anxiety, the brain feels overstimulated, letting people down, and avoiding tasks. And listen, guys, if you need help with these kinds of things, I'm here. Let's do some coaching appointments. Let's do the 10-day challenge on my website. Uh, on my, uh, Just go to my uh, on-demand coaching and go through the 10-day challenge, clarifying your goals, um, you know, prioritizing those, taking action. That'll be a huge help to you, just that. But uh, absolutely, let's meet. You know, um, book an appointment. Let's get together. Let's talk about this. Let's work on these things. Let's grow together. Uh, or if you're in a relationship with a seven and you're saying, help me, Dr. Tom, I can't take it anymore. Uh, let me help you uh, through that. Um, there's so much hope and so much help available for your marriage. And I want to tell you, I'm a friend of your marriage. I'm not just your friend, but I'm a friend of your marriage. And I want to do everything I can do to try to help your marriage be strong and help you guys through this tough time. And there is, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel and things can be much better. You don't have to try to figure it all out on your own. You don't have to try to do it all on your own. And uh, me and a lot of other people are out there in your corner here to help you. So thank you guys, and I will see you next time. And as always, especially to you sevens, be present to life.